And yes, we're back on a Tuesday afternoon. Canada will eliminate those pre-arrival PCR tests, the requirement for that for fully vaccinated travelers by the end of the month. As of February 28th, a negative rapid test or PCR test will be accepted to meet entry requirements. So obviously a big change when it comes to travel moving forward. And of course, just in time for spring break and the spring and summer travel season. We're going to talk to our travel expert, Marty Firestone, about this announcement and all these changes. Marty coming up in about 10 minutes. But first, let's get more on the federal government invoking the Emergencies Act yesterday. There are, of course, many questions as to whether or not this is truly necessary or is it maybe a bit of an overreach. Nomi Claire Lazar is with the University of Ottawa and is also the author of States of Emergency in Liberal Democracies and joins us now for more on this. Nomi, good afternoon. Appreciate your time. Hi, thanks very much for the invitation. All right, since this is the first time it's ever been invoked or used, I think there might be a lot of Canadians who are unaware of it, not exactly sure what sort of powers this gives the federal government. So could you kind of just give us a brief overview to start? Uh, what exactly does the Emergencies Act, Nomi? What does it empower the federal government to do? Okay, so first, it's important to that, that we all understand that every single constitutional government, and this goes right back to before ancient Rome, has had emergency powers. Our, our systems of government are designed to be deliberative and kind of slow. And sometimes if there's a crisis, uh, we need to act fast and, uh, and address it. And that's why we have emergency powers on the, on the books. So this particular piece of legislation uh, is actually comparatively a good one if we look at, you know, compare it to, to the legislation that other states have, uh, because it does have a lot of safeguards uh, built right in. So uh, the first one is that not all emergencies are the same, and we don't want to grant the government huge powers that they don't need for a specific kind of emergency. Uh, so we're under a public order emergency, and that allows the government to make uh, orders that uh, would prohibit certain kinds of public assembly, uh, travel to and from specific places uh, that would uh, allow them to secure uh, protected places. So we assume we're going to see that kind of thing at the borders, for example, uh, as well as uh, compelling people to provide uh, certain kinds of, of uh, services uh, or allow uh, basically lend their property to the government to help resolve the, the crisis. So we're seeing that with uh, Trudeau's statement yesterday that tow trucks will be uh, compelled to tow trucks. Uh, so uh, so that, those are basically the powers that, that are on offer, uh, but there are a lot of safeguards built in there as well. Okay, let's talk a little more about those safeguards because as I understand it, uh, now that the Emergencies Act has been invoked, the federal government has seven days of, uh, I guess, a grace period, and after that it needs to be approved by the House of Commons. Is that correct? Um, that is uh, that is correct, uh, but but it also needs to be approved by the Senate. So both house, houses uh, um, uh, both houses uh, need to approve it. So that's the first safeguard that the Prime Minister can't just sort of decide he's going to do this with no checks from the legislative power. So he has executive power, but he needs to get uh, um, confirmation from the legislative power. Uh, so that's the first check. But after that, there are quite a few other ones. So the government is going to have to report on every order that it makes. It will have to, under this legislation, strike a parliamentary review committee that will be made up of, of members from the different political parties. So it won't just be like a liberal uh, 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 gang. Uh, and they will be keeping a close eye on all of the orders and how they're put into, uh, into effect. 
In addition, uh, we, because this act has never been used before, there's some stuff that we're not quite sure how it's going to play out. But it's the opinion of lawyers that I've talked to that because the act doesn't mention judicial review, that means that by default, um, we can have judicial review. So that's another check. So if the government oversteps, then potentially a federal court uh, uh, could, uh, uh, could sanction that. Um, so finally, the, uh, a really, really important constraint is that when there's a state of emergency under our legislation, uh, that automatically there's a commission of inquiry after the emergency. And that may sound like too little, too late. Like, do we really want a bunch of guys, you know, uh, uh, you know, determining after the fact whether your rights were violated. But we know from similar kinds of legislation elsewhere that this actually makes politicians think twice before they do things because they know they're going to be held to account. Uh, and now I point out all these safeguards, but I do want to emphasize that there's no such thing as a safe state of emergency. Uh, emergency powers are always dangerous. They're always tricky things. And all we can do is hope for, for you know, the, the safest legislation we could have. Uh, and I do think this is uh, an unusually good piece of legislation. Now, whether or not uh, it has met the threshold, we've met the threshold for invoking it is another question that I am not myself yet sure about. But, you know, once we have it, uh, this is as safe as a piece of emergency powers uh, could get, which, again, doesn't mean it's perfectly safe. Okay, I want to ask you more about that question in just a second, but let me pose this to you. Is it a bit of a misnomer then to say that the Emergencies Act then, because you've just detailed all these safeguards, that it's a bit of a blank check, as it were, for government? We were talking to the Canadian Civil Liberties Association in our uh, last hour. They are quite concerned about the use uh, of this act and that it uh, you know, might be uh, violating uh, various uh, Canadians' uh, rights and freedoms, particularly when it comes to the uh, right to assemble and peaceful protest. Uh, so I, I I do not think this is a blank check uh, by by any stretch because there are all of these constraints. I also do think that it is absolutely critical that that uh, uh, that civil liberties groups and that individual citizens uh, uh, remain frightened by this legislation because the only way accountability works is if citizens make it work. So if the Civil Liberties Association isn't isn't keeping an eye on this and saying, hold on, you know, this is scary stuff. Uh, are we sure that the threshold has been met? Are we sure that these powers are strictly necessary? Then, um, then that does make it easier for the government to abuse these powers. So it is incumbent on every single one of us right now uh, to to be very conscious, to be paying close attention, to keep our eyes on the government and uh, demand accountability for every power they use uh, under this legislation, even if it turns out those powers are necessary. Uh, we'll, we'll only know that if we're keeping a sharp eye out. You know, Nomi, I'm really struck by the title of your book. As I mentioned off the top, you're the author of States of Emergency in Liberal Democracies. And are we in a state of emergency? Do we know if we're in a state of emergency? I think that's a question that a lot of people are, are asking. I'm sure those that are living in Ottawa probably feel that way uh, right now. I mean, how do we decide? Is it uh, really spelled out what the threshold is? Is there a strict definition as to what is kind of a state of emergency to invoke this Emergencies Act? Uh, well, that's an interesting philosophical question. And as someone with a philosophical background, I would love to go on and on about the, you know, the question of <laughs> who gets to decide, does that mean that person has ultimate power? But uh, I think I think your audience is probably more interested in, 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 uh, in the specifics. Uh, and uh, it, it is true that there is a uh, carefully laid out threshold in the legislation. It is also true that 
uh, that the way we that 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 there's still a lot of kind of wiggle room with. So, so is this really a threat to national security? Uh, um, well, I, I, that probably is always going to be a matter of judgment. And uh, um, and there also might be information we're not party to. So several people, including Bill Blair, have alluded to the fact that there's sort of intelligence here that hasn't been put before the public uh, that is part of that decision making. And it's because we want to be careful about uh, you know, whether this is really an emergency or not, that we do have that first line safeguard, which is that the prime minister can't declare the emergency and have it stand uh, for more than seven days by himself. It has to go up for discussion and debate before the Houses of Parliament. So that's that's the big check there. Okay, is one of the ways we decide whether or not this truly is an emergency that's worthy of the Emergencies Act is that we've exhausted any and all other options, particularly when it comes to the law and when it comes to enforcement and, and policing, because uh, those on the other side of this that oppose the use of the Emergencies Act they believe that uh, we are far from that yet, uh, far from invoking the full extent of the law and that the Emergencies Act should only be used or invoked, put in place once that is done. Now, that is a threshold written into the law. And I want to be very clear here that that I myself, like, you know, I'm talking about this being a relatively safe piece of legislation, but I myself have not made up my mind whether that threshold uh, has been met, uh, uh, you know, whether that wh- whether that declaration yesterday uh uh, w- was appropriate or not. Uh, so, so yes, it is true that within the legislation, it says that this is, you know, this is really the, the legislation of last resort. Uh, and, and certainly up to a few days ago, uh, I was puzzled at any suggestion we might need it because it did seem to me that Ford had under the provincial state of emergency. So just to note, we were already under state of emergency. And I here in Ottawa, um, you know, we, we here in Ottawa are now under three states of emergency. So the powers were there under the provincial state of emergency, and the issue seemed to be much more about enforcement uh, than about having the appropriate powers, although we're all very puzzled about that enforcement uh, aspect of it. Uh, so, so that, you know, that's a matter for debate. And I want to see, you know, I, I would love to see a really vibrant public debate, not just now, but in the aftermath as more information uh, becomes available about why there was this seeming police dysfunction in Ottawa, et cetera, uh, and, you know, why the provincial powers were not adequate, if, if that's the case. There is one more piece, though, that, that does seem to only fall within the jurisdiction of uh, uh, the national emergency, and that's the financial aspect. So, uh, you know, we, we all hope that this is going to resolve peacefully, uh, but the more people who go home before there's any chance of violence, then, you know, the better. And so the the financial aspects that Trudeau is, uh, or the financial orders that he's putting into effect, so uh, this notion that your assets could be frozen, that your uh, truck could be seized, that your insurance could be frozen, uh, those are those are sort of deterrents that hopefully will encourage people to go home. And that was not available to uh, Ford. Now, as to whether that had to happen, you know, is this strict necessity? I, I'm that I'm not that I'm not sure. And I think we probably need to see that intelligence, which we may not before we could really make a, a strong determination. Yeah, you know, you're right. There's a lot of questions and a lot of things to be debated here, a lot of which we've just talked about and covered over the last 10 minutes or so. But just finally, Nomi, let me ask you, just do we have a sense of how historical a moment we're in right now? I mean, it's interesting you mentioned the uh, provincial government. You're right, invoking a state of emergency here in the province. Now we've got the federal government invoking the Emergencies uh, Act. Do we know what this uh, moment we're in right now, what it might mean in the years to come? 
I think the only thing we know in this moment in terms of the years to come is that they're going to be very different from what came before. I've been struck by how our, you know, as, as political scientists, but also as, as politically engaged uh, members of the public, the kinds of concepts and categories that we're used to applying. So is this, you know, is this a class issue? Is this, you know, where are the cleavages here? Uh, don't seem to apply. They don't seem to capture what's going on here. And because of that, you know, we sort of expect the future to look like the past. And I have the sense that, that things have changed in ways that we really don't understand yet. And so, yes, I think this is a moment. Uh, uh, what will the future bring? Uh, I don't know, but I'm a little worried, I will say. I'm sure I'm not the only one. All right, listen, we'll leave it there for now, but uh, very instructive. Uh, really appreciate and enjoyed the conversation. Nomi, thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate it this afternoon. Thank you very much for having me. Have a good afternoon. You too. There goes Nomi Claire Lazar from the University of Ottawa, and again, the author of States of Emergency in Liberal Democracies. And we're back after a break. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. <laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.